Streaming live from the beautiful city of Hollywood, Florida, USA. This is SoFloRadio.com. He's out there operating without any decent restraint, totally beyond the pale of any acceptable human conduct. I never worked a day in my life. I just lay back and let the big beat leave me. I never worked a day in my life. I just lay back and let the big beat leave me. I just lay back and let the big beat leave me. I just lay back and let the big beat leave me. I just lay back and let the big beat leave me. I just lay back and let the big beat leave me. I just lay back and let the big beat leave me. I just lay back and let the big Oh, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Groovathon. I am Tony C. As always, joined live in the studio by my man George. He's not IBB, he's George. Apparently, I've been let in on the joke now, so I can now actually call you by your actual I, I name. I really thought everybody. You're like the last guy to get the joke. I am the last guy to get. I'm, I'm apparently the last guy to get the joke. Anybody handles the production, the engineering, and he is the chips to my chat. Increasingly, to ensure that our groove is satiny smooth. Hope everybody had a good week out there, and hope you all had a really good 4th of July. A little bit of a shout-out to Heidi for putting on a fantastic 4th of July shindig. You know what wasn't heard? A discouraging word. Lots of kids, lots of sun, lots of food, lots of... It's literally the perfect 4th of July party. No discouragement. No discouragement whatsoever. You know what? There's really not a lot to talk about this week. Now, everything happened in the last couple of weeks. I got nothing left. I mean, the Grateful Dead are gone. Pluto is back, and the Mets have now figured out a way to win on the road. Thank God. I'm going to be looking up this stat. I meant to look it up earlier. But the Mets are 3-1 and on this road trip, and their brand-new pitching phenom, Mats, Steve Mats, now has five RBIs in two games as a pitcher. So it wouldn't shock me if he was leading the, the National League for pitchers in RBIs in only two games. Oh, yeah, by the way, he pitched six scoreless innings. Thank God. You know what? Uh, I really don't know what we're going to talk about today. I've been sitting here trying to figure things out. I mean, it got to the point where I actually found something that Ted Cruz said that I agreed with and thought I might, I might want to talk about. I swear to God, he called the Washington, the people who work in Congress, a cartel. Of course, leaving out the part that he's a he, member of he that. Would, he would know, right. Right, he's a member of that cartel. He conveniently left it. But he got it right. They are a cartel. I also was reading um, some interesting stuff about the apathy uh, the, it's the Complacency of America is a book that came out a while ago. We're going to chat a little bit about that. Apparently, uh, Jared, the uh, subway guy, has A, gained quite a bit of weight, and B, opened up a charity that's decided to make some of its money by peddling in kiddie porn. So that's going to be a bit of a problem for him. Yeah, that's illegal now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, it's definitely gone the, uh, the way of the dinosaur. I'm also going to be playing the kind of Grateful Dead I like, which is a dead song done by somebody else. Yep, fare thee, <laughs> fare thee well, sayonara. Now, what a complete money grab. The articles on the Grateful Dead this week, and I have a bunch of friends that were there, and I have other friends of mine that went to, you know, they went and saw the, kind uh, of like went to the, the, the movie theater, you know, and went all three nights to see that. I don't know. I, I remember when I used to like the Grateful Dead. But then again, I was 20 and stoned. I was on acid. There was a list like I was telling yeah. you earlier about the, the 10 things overheard at uh, the Fairly Well Tour. The one I liked the most was, uh, excuse me, everybody, there's a, a bad batch of Sauvignon Blanc going around. <laughs> I thought my favorite was uh, the one they didn't leave in, which is the guy who leans over and goes, damn, man, I wish I hadn't quit drugs because without him, this band really sucks. So we'll be getting all of that. Obviously, all of that's going to be surrounded by two hours of the finest, most diverse groove anywhere. I've got a uh, 
drive groove thing today that has no rock and roll in it. Yeah, craft work and a little Saint Etienne. So I know my man, oh, I know George is all into that stuff. He's happy as a clam in the sand. I've got bluegrass, soul, rock. I've got it all. It's just past 3 o'clock in the only Hollywood that matters anymore. Hollywood, Florida. Just past 9 o'clock on the Big Island. Just past 8 o'clock on that blessed plot with them St. Anne's. And yeah, just past 10 in Istanbul. And it's just past 10 in Greece where they have decided that austerity, you know, is not going to be done. It's great. You know, 25% of your people are unemployed and you don't want to do cutbacks. Why? Well, for one thing, 89% of your taxes haven't been paid. So really what you've said to your citizens is, we don't care if you fuck us over. We're going to go back to the drachma, which will then drop like a stone, man. The drachma is going to be worth nothing. It's going to be worth, it's going to literally go the way of the peso, the Mexican peso, I might add. Um, you know, I don't even know what else to say. The world has gone into complete disarray behind my back. I spent the entire week doing almost nothing, but I did listen to a lot of really, really cool music. I found a whole bunch of stuff out there. Some of it's going to get played this week. Some of it's going to get played next week or the week after. I've got file after file. But one of the things I did is I downloaded, I already had a bunch of stuff called Jazz is Dead which is the Grateful Dead stuff done in a jazz form. And now I've got Funk is Dead, which is what we'll be playing today because i tell you something about the Grateful Dead. Their lack of funk disturbs me. <laughs> it disturbs me. But you know what? We kick it off, baby. Everybody about there ready to go? George, you about ready to get, get showing on this one? He's got a thumbs up and a shaka. Saddle up and stick around, everybody. It's the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com.
You know, I think that you got the wrong impression about me. I think in all fairness, I should explain to you exactly what it is that I do. For instance, tomorrow morning, I'll get up nice and early, take a walk down over to the bank and walk in and see you. And uh, if you don't have my money for me, I'll crack your fucking head wide open in front of everybody in the bank. And just about the time that I'm coming out of jail, hopefully, you'll be coming out of your coma. And guess what? I'll split your fucking head open again. Because I'm fucking stupid. I don't give a fuck about jail. That's my business. That's what I do. And we know what you do, don't we, Charlie? You fuck people out of money and get away with it. You can't talk to Hey, you fat Irish prick. You put my fucking money to sleep. You go get my money or I'll put your fucking brain to sleep. Sam. Never mind. Fucking Sam, this is personal. I'll be there in the morning. You can fucking try me, fatso. You fucking try me. You think you got the point? What are you doing?
Kid Creole and the Coconuts doing it up right. <laughs> we love that stuff. Stool Pigeon. George Tennant say they faded away just a little too fast. Ah, I was defending bit. the armpit hair. Defending the armpit hair before In that. In the name look. of art. It's <laughs> <laughs> either that or it's French people who smoke a lot and don't shower. Sure, I don't know. Smoke like this. Before that, Casino, a clip from Casino, one of my favorite show, Pesci. Dickie got the point. I think he got the point in kicking off the show. Pantera, no good. Truly a ballad, a love song in the Tony Bennett, Paul Anker tradition. You can feel the warmth. A ballad, a ballad for the ages. I, yeah, I was telling you I do a great Pantera impersonation. Here's, here it is, you ready? Yeah. That's yeah, it, that's the whole thing. It's an entire that. song right there. Um, this past week was consumed for people like me with all of my friends and fear the well. Um, I have been to a bunch of dead shows. I managed to go in, uh, I believe it was 1980. A friend of mine, uh, Steve, his stepmother was on the orchestra for Radio City Musical. She was a uh, regular member of their in-house orchestra. And so we got tickets to go see them doing the electric acoustic electric thing, which was actually a pretty good concert because they sat down and played acoustic guitars. Honestly, that's the way, you know, I liked it dead. I don't need a 15-minute space jam. Um, at least not anymore because I quit doing acid like 25 years ago. So, And it's still affecting me in kind of weird ways. I, I quit 25 minutes ago. I quit 25 minutes ago. So it's, it hasn't, in other words, it hasn't kicked in yet. Yes, I'm about a half hour from <laughs> twinging. But I so many other great, but I, I saw, I managed to see some great, you know, they played at University of Vermont uh, when I was going there. And I also saw them in Syracuse with uh, the, re- the reuniting of the band without Levon Helm, of course. So. Who the hell cares? But it was a cool, you know, it was a pretty cool last show. And I went to college with Trey Anastasia. Uh, with Trey Anastasia. He was on the third floor of Wing, and I was on the first floor. This was in 1984. And he had just formed Fish. And at University of Vermont in the 80s, man, I was literally punished by living next door two consecutive years to deadhead fanatics. I have heard bootlegs... Out the gate, these guys had racks of Maxell ninety-minute cassette <laughs> tapes, and you know it's not one show from San Francisco. The treasure. In, oh yeah, absolutely, a hoard. They have hoarded them, and this particular time around, there's been a bunch of stuff about how this is a money grab. This is going to be the largest grossing uh, three-day concert ever, and I was. It occurred to me because uh, this weekend, one of the things I noticed during the Fare Thee Well concert in Chicago was that. Seven people were killed by guns, including a seven-year-old boy. So they didn't fare quite as well. What do you think? No. Not so much? Of course, we're going to get blowback on, you know, they've got the strictest gun laws in the place. Yeah, but every place surrounding it doesn't. That's the problem. In any event, the Grateful Dead did their money grab. And I'm going the opposite way on this. I'm going to say that after all the years of playing live out the yin-yang and allowing people and encouraging people to do bootlegs and to be able to make as many recordings as they want with no income going to them as a result of it, I'm going to give them this three days as long as this is it. long as this really is fare thee well. <laughs> if they play another show, okay, they're all going to meet Garcia a lot sooner than they had hoped because I'm personally going over there with like a crossbow and a hunting knife and an AR. You know what? Yeah, an AR-15. Let's gun them all down quick because it's enough. 50 years, you're not allowed to play rock and roll for 50 years unless you're the Sonics. Right? That's the only band I know of. The Who sucked recently. When they bring them out there with an oxygen tent. What about and, Stones? 
let me tell you something. The average age of the Stones yeah. is older than the average age of the Supreme Court. <laughs> Problem. <laughs> I'm just saying, if the, if the average age of your rock and roll band is older than that of the Supreme Court, I think you should retire. Okay, they should have retired years ago. So I told you, the last good album those guys recorded was Tattoo You, for God's sake. That's 30 years ago. Literally 30 years of making more and more and more money. Like, they're not rich enough. But the Grateful Dead didn't. They didn't make that much money like these other rock bands back in those days because nobody had to buy anything. You could just get it for free. Sure. It was literally, you know what it was? It was, uh, you know, uh, Napster. Before yeah. Napster. Sure. There was no internet then. They, they had their own little way of trading. Mm-hmm. And everybody got everything, so I'm not going to begrudge them five days of pleasing their fans and raking in the dough. I'm not. As long as that's it. Pluto's back. I saw Pluto. Is Pluto back. is back. We love Pluto. Okay. How'd that happened. You know what? There's a uh, spaceship, one of those things that went out there, yeah. and it's now out Near Pluto. And so they have had much better information being sent back from something that's closer. And they've determined that it is, in fact, a planet. It has the solidity um, and not just purely gaseous matter. Now you tell me. You know, I wrecked my mobile. <laughs> I mean, I destroyed that. I'm not going <laughs> to... okay. Gonna... You can replace it with one of the com- with one of the yeah. asteroids. You know how much trouble it got me to rebalance that whole thing? Jesus <laughs> And Neptune. And that's the problem because it's got to go in and out of Neptune. As I recall, they actually crisscrossed during, at some point or another during their uh, rotation around yeah. the sun. So well, This is my biggest problem since I had to put rings around Uranus. Remember <laughs> when that was a new discovery? <laughs> Oh, yeah. the comedy style. You put the joy. drums down here. You no, know the drums do. don't come down, and, for, and and that's the reason why that does not deserve drums. I so the Grateful Dead, you. you know, and I have friends of mine. I have one friend of mine, Mike, who went to all three shows. He knows a lot of people. He's got pictures of him with Bill Walton and pictures of the guy who put on the show. And I've got other friends of mine who went to like all three of the shows at um, you know whatever the local movie theater is. My friend Alan, he's a huge deadhead and stuff like that. And that's you know. If you're into it, fine. Break out the Birkenstocks and the tie-dyed T-shirts and, and whatnot. Go for it. I have one friend of mine, Eric, who actually did it the right way. He went there and went to one show. He went to the last show. He's like, I'm a dead fan. Yeah. I want to go. It's the last time I'm ever going to get to see them. Okay. You know, that's fine. But if you've been to American, if, you went, if you're my age and you went to college during the 70s or 80s, all right, You've had enough of the great. You either love the Grateful Dead or more often, more likely than that, you're just sick and tired of them. I'm just, you know, I think the best thing now is that I think six months from now, I'm going to throw on, you know, American Beauty and enjoy it from start to finish. I won't have heard a single (laughs) Grateful Dead song during the entire time. And I will put on the entire album of American Beauty or Terrapin Station or any of these, you know, Shake, shake Down Street, not so much because basically the uh, the entire album isn't that good. But, you know, I don't mind listening to The Grateful Dead every six months for about an hour. It's groovy, you know? You basically find whatever the most debilitating narcotic you can find is to take. Drop that. And then put on American Beauty. And you won't make it past the third song because if the drugs don't knock you out, the music certainly is going to put you to sleep eventually. 
You know, I, I I tried. I wish I liked it as much as the 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 Deadheads do. I wish I got that that same thing. I don't get it, it either, but, but I, I don't. I would much rather like if I were at a Yes concert because I know you're a Yes fan. Absolutely. Listening to them just go on and and jam jam away. And, absolutely. And just do their thing. Or any of these other you know art rock bands or or even like the like. The, well, you know, you know I'm I'm interested to see because the festivals. Grateful Dead managed. You know, I remember seeing. Um, the Grateful Dead at University of Vermont. And then I saw Bobby and the Midnights with Billy Cobham on drums opening for Hot Tuna. That was a good show. Side note, I've seen some of the loudest freaking bands in the world, man. I saw Motorhead at Irving Plaza when they still crashed the plane. Okay, the Who. I saw the Who, fourth row. You want to know what going deaf is like? None of that compares to how loud Hot Tuna was. Your McCalkinen had 25 guitars on stage, only used two of them. Literally, a row of guitars. Only used to them. Loud. It's the loudest show I've ever been to for sheer volume in an enclosed auditorium. You wouldn't expect it, but yeah, hot tuna. And it's University of Vermont, so I got into it back then. And then, you know, in this particular regard, I matured. I moved on to other kinds of music because their music is, you know, it's great when you're in college. It's great if you've got, you know, 16 bongs, if you've got, you know, tubing, six-foot tubing that you can turn into a bong. I mean, that's, that's that kind of thing. And now they're gone. And while I don't necessarily celebrate it, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a lie. I'm celebrating. You know, <laughs> celebrating. fare thee well and good riddance. You know, <laughs> goodbye, guys. Fare thee well. Please, in the name of all that is holy out there, fare away. <laughs> fare, thee, fare thee well. Fare thee well away from me <laughs> because it's enough already. So what I did is I have a couple of uh, – there's there's some stuff that's come out called Jazz is Dead and um, Funk is Dead. And it's where uh, various musicians who are fans of the Grateful Dead get together and they'll re-record – uh, the music in a jazz or funk style And the Jazz is Dead is absolutely worth owning Billy Cobham on drums T. Lavitz from the Dixie Dregs on keyboards Really sensational musicianship And it's all instrumental versions So what they've done Is they've, they've made the Space Jam worth listening to Because these guys are really good musicians They're not playing to They're recording an album They're not playing to a bunch of people Who just dropped you know three tabs of acid And have no idea where they are I also noticed that people that are in that that uh, rock, what is it, you know, where they dress in black and put black makeup on and stuff. They the dress goth stuff. Goth, yeah, that's yeah. it. I've noticed that people, the the goth kids, dance the same way as the Grateful Dead kids. They all, <laughs> the goth, goth, and Grateful Dead. The music may be different, but the motion, baby, is exactly well, the same. They're both into the dead. See, very dead good stuff. Nice. Yes, we love that. Sure, you don't want me to get the drum. No, there will be no drumming. That's your show. Okay, you want you want the oh, drum, we, you want we humor. We pass those drums around. You man. want free flowing conversation with a great deal of wit. Tune into George's shows on Fridays between three and five when he when he summons up the energy to actually do it and bring. Absolutely, like not this Friday. It's the that's the uh, after beat. last week's show. I'm surprised you're still alive. I uh, you know just this close, this close. It's always I always have to go out the back way, but uh, the the weather's been cloudy. It's going to be cloudy all week, so that leaves Friday for Beach Day. Oh, well, there you go. Week. Then hey, welcome, yeah. welcome. You know, yeah, to Florida. Welcome to SoFlo, baby. That's right. 
So what I did is I listened to a whole bunch of stuff. I listened to a whole bunch of Grateful Dead music the way I like my Grateful Dead music, which is to say done by somebody else. Very much the way I like my Simon and Garfunkel music from a couple weeks ago. Love it when it's done by somebody else because they wrote some great songs and then they made the mistake of going out and playing them over and over again. No, no two times ever the same. Yeah, I know. And I was like, hey, man, they sucked in the first night. Guess what? It sucked in the second night. And the third night at Winterland, the fourth night at Winterland, they only did eight nights at Winterland. Did you hear the jam from Sugar Magnolia into this, into that, into this? And no. No, I didn't. As a matter of fact, when, when somebody asked me if I heard, you know, hey, man, you know, on the third night, they did it differently. When they say the third night, that's when I turn around and start walking away. That's, you know, tell it to my back because I just don't care. And I found... Uh, some really great stuff. And I found one song, you know, that I like. I like Fire on a Mountain by the Grateful Dead. I really do. Um, you know, it's a cool-ass tune. They've got some cool-ass tunes out there. But, God, just living next to people with hundreds of bootlegs kind of just wrecks it for you. They really, that's the whole thing. They're like songs, you know, I'm sure I liked Radar Love at some point. <laughs> I'm sure that... I remember seeing the those first guys. 500 times? Yeah, right. And then I didn't. <laughs> and now I don't care if it's, you know, if how long you've been driving and how sweaty your palms are on the wheel. I just don't give a fuck. And they've, they've literally, tell you something about uh, Golden Earring. They've had the exact same lineup mm-hmm. for, for 40 years. They have not changed lineups. They've, they've been the same hey, band. If it works for you. <laughs> Apparently they've got... Two songs, that and yeah. Twilight Zone. I think it was. They sure. got booed off the stage. They were opening for Aerosmith. They literally got booed off the stage <laughs> after about four songs. People just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, they just needed to do the two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I remember. You know, and the thing is, I I always enjoyed the Grateful Dead concerts that I went to because I've only been to about I don't know. I think f- four, five, five, maybe. I don't know, five, maybe five concerts. But it's over the course. It was really you know between high school. And college, so it was. Oh, I went to like five concerts for the Grateful Dead in about five years. I went to like a concert a year, basically for about five straight years, and that was fine. And I enjoyed them for a little while after that, and then I found other music. And what amazes me about Deadheads is they haven't, or they yeah. have, but it's not as important. But, but you know that you know massive amounts of Grateful Dead music is more important than new music. I don't know. I'm a I'm a no, junkie for new music. Absolutely. I've been listening to this CD that you made for me, and I actually found I thought it was great. The um, ska Spanish oh, ska Spanish ska from Spanish Spain. Ska. That's right. Um, that's coming on next week's show okay. because I found two songs on that. I was like, this is great, dude. And and they got that's just one of their albums. I only got one of their albums. Yeah, they got all kinds. Well, of stuff. I found I only need one song to play sure. on the show sure. and another one after that, so I can listen to it myself. Right. And it was great. And you know that's what I'm looking for. And it's fine. Like I said, six months from now, I'm going to throw in American Beauty. I'm going to load up the brand new bong and you know have an afternoon. But uh, however, for right now, I've got a version of Fire on the Mountain. This is a live version and. The band is called Motet, M-O-T-E-T, and they do a bunch of shows called Funk is Dead, and they do Grateful Dead songs funkified. They, they, they funkify them because your lack of funk disturbs me, and you can't get enough funk. You really can't. No. So, this is it. This is the uh, Groovathon Fare Thee Well edition. You get all 10 minutes of it, plus 15 minutes of chit-chat. And I'm pretty sure we're never going to hear another Grateful Dead song on this. You know what? Six months from now, I'm going to play something from American Beauty. I will find a song that I will enjoy playing. And I will make 
you, and every person listening to this show suffer through it, except for Mike, Mike. Half a dozen friends who are deadheads. In any event, it's Motet doing a live version of Fire on the Mountain. It's the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com.
the way I like my Grateful Dead songs, finishing really, really fast and done by somebody else. I was thinking how funny it would be if I, you know, screamed in the middle of the song, is this thing over yet? Like at about the seven or eight minute mark. That's actually the short version, by the way. I'm sure there's like a 23 minute version with 15 different space jams in it. Motet, Fire on the Mountain. That is from Funk is Dead. That's the live version. You go onto YouTube. The entire show actually is pretty cool. Bass player in that band. It's phenomenal. They have a whole horn section 
which really makes it kind of worth listening to. You know, they really bring the horns in there. They, they funkify it. Uh, one of the things I noticed this week that's kind of personal to me is there is no more um, actual physical... There are no People don't trade commodities anymore. The, S and, the uh, S&P is actually the only pit now that will have uh, human beings in it trading. Um, but all of the other commodities... Uh, pits, gold and crude oil, heating oil, cotton, sugar, orange juice, palladium, gold, silver, copper, aluminum, pork bellies, pork bellies, pork bellies, wheat, and you know there were there were trading floors. I used to work at the Commodities Exchange at Four World Trade Center on the eighth floor, and I was there in uh, 1987 when the market crashed. And um, you know we were put up at the Vista Hotel, EF Hutton, who was who I was working for at the time put us all up at the Vista Hotel so we wouldn't have to go home. <laughs> they were like, just don't go anywhere. I actually slept for about four hours in the orange juice pit one night. That was interesting. I got woken up by one of those big machines that, you know, comes in to pick up all the paper. I was like, God, Jesus. But for me personally, I remember telling somebody that, the, the you know, in the movie Trading Places, the, when they're walking into the World Trade Center, Dan Aykroyd turns to Eddie Murphy and says, the last true bastion of pure capitalism left on Earth. And it really was. If you wanted insider trading in the uh, crude pit, and I used to work in crude oil when crude was $10 a barrel. I remember working in the crude pit when they still traded leaded and unleaded gasoline. Those were two separate commodities at the time. So that's, you know, back then they actually traded both of those things. And I remember telling a friend of mine, I said, if you don't know the uh, oil Minister of Saudi Arabia, you're not getting inside trading. The only way you get inside trading is to go to institutional traders, find out what their stop orders were, which is you, it goes above it. I'm not even going to get into stop and limit orders. It doesn't <laughs> matter. But to know what one of the larger traders was going to do at a particular price point, hey, if it gets to this, my client wants me to buy. And if you see the market going up, you would try and get in. And what you would do is you'd team up with somebody. So you had local brokers, and these are guys who owned their own seat. Okay, like, a, you know, they, they had their own badge, and they traded for themselves. They didn't trade for a company or anybody else. When I worked for E.F. Hutton, I did phone arbitrage for the United Arab Emirates. The country was our client. And you fuck with these people, they're going to be blackballed from the world. One of my favorite things was, they, you know, these guys, they, they line their trunks with mink, and, you know, for Christmas, they sent me and Tony D'Antonio, the other... Uh, phone arm guy We each got a bottle Of the Glenlivet Silver Stag's Head It's like a $3,000 Bottle of scotch and These guys just Money out the yin yang And what you would do Is for the local brokers They would come over Take a You know And you would team up With them And so when they got An order in And made a whole bunch Of money You'd split the profit With them Because they're making It off of you So that was how You cheated back then Then they had something Called the Alexander Rouse Aftermarket And basically Back then Before computers hit Everything was done On paper the COMEX, which is gold, silver, and uh, copper, and aluminum, um, was the last of the exchanges down there to kind of cross over into more computerized stuff. So we were still doing, at the end of every day, every or the you would have to go downstairs and make sure that all the trades that you had done for your broker matched up with somebody else's brokers. And if it didn't, you'd have to cover it because local brokers right. don't want to carry a position into the next day because you don't know what's going to go on in Japan or Singapore, or England, or Australia, or any of the other places where commodities like that are traded, so you didn't want to have a position. So I'd spend about an hour trading, you know, illegally, <laughs> with other people who were also trading sure. illegally. Right. You'd get away with that back then, and now the human element's been taken yeah. out. 
And it was a book, and we'll talk about this in a little while, but it really is about the depersonalization of America. We don't interact uh, with people the way we used to in order to conduct the same business. Right. We're not around other human beings. That floor, I remember there were days when I was so hungover I could barely move. And I would get on the number I would get on the number two train, take it all the way down to Cortland Street, get out right underneath where the uh, World Trade Center is and just, you know, you pile out of there with thousands of people at eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm a wreck. I'm an unbliterate I'm just wrecked. Wrecked from the night, but still drunk from you know being at the the Abbey Pub at a night cafe until four o'clock in the morning, hammering them down, because you know that's what we do when we work in finance. You know, we're hard drinkers, and uh, I would come in, and the minute I would walk on that floor, it was like a the, the biggest smack in the face, and I was you know, and it got me going. And now, if you're drunk, you're just sitting at home in front of a computer. So I don't think you're going to be trading as much as you're going to be you know listening to the Grateful Dead, probably. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess. So that kind of went the way of the dinosaur. And for me personally, you know, when the World Trade Center um, went down in 2001, that was a, uh, you know, I had friends of mine who were on the 70th floor for uh, for uh, Prue Bates' uh, point balance room and their write-up rooms and stuff like that where they would handle all the trades. They all, you know, the trades all this stuff get sent up there. And then, it was, you know, they would send out the final notices to their clients around the world. Those guys... They took the first plane. Yeah. And, uh, and I was, you know, it's a very sad thing, you know, watching that building go down and, you know, place where I used to work and how I felt about it. And I wrote something about how they can't take away the memories. I mean, they can knock the buildings down, but uh, the memories aren't going anywhere. My feelings about it aren't going to go anywhere. But now trading's gone. There's no trading anymore. Everything's done online. It's done the blink of an eye. The human element's been taken out of it. Do you think it makes it more honest? No, uh, I think it's in the long run, I think it's going to make it more dishonest. And what we're finding now in, in uh, trading is that the speed at which you can transmit a trade by fractions of a second mean everything. I used to trade for a guy named Russell Solomon. For about three months, I did something called Overnight Desk. And we were trading what's known as Yards of Yen. A yard is a billion yen. And um, I think the yen right now is at 122, 123 to the dollar. And what, what you would, the guy who was in Tokyo at the time, we would have him on one of those little boxes, you know, phone box. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. That's, you know, once hey, again, hey, this is 90, this 87, 88, you know, 86, 87, 88. We, we, hadn't, we hadn't emerged yet into a more technological era. And he would tell us when we were in. And I remember one night saying, all right, I need six yards. And I literally bought six billion yen. There was a person on the other end of that phone. And the trading was going on live on the, on the floor there. What you're going to find now is computers are going to enable people who don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. to be able to capitalize. Now, in that respect, it is a democratic pro- is democratic progress right there because the skill that you needed to be able to conduct business uh, in commodities back when I was doing it, you had to be in commodities. If you didn't, you were toast. Right. There's no way you were going to know what was going on. There's no way to know what a stop on close limit or you know, stop a close order is limit. You know all of these things. To be able to get that. But now you can learn anything. And then what you can do is you can say, well, I'd like to know what this is going to do. And the computer's going to tell you. It's got a program in there. And at some point, somebody's going to manipulate these programs. And we've seen it already with stocks, by the way, where a um, computer program trading thing mm-hmm. goes wiggy. And the market just, you know, plummets 600 and goes back up because a computer clicked in on a whole bunch of buy orders or sell orders right. that, that it shouldn't have. I think that may happen in the future in commodities. I think when you let 
computers do most of the work as opposed to some of the work, you're going to wind up with the fallibility of whoever programs those computers. And at some point or another, you're going to turn around one day and realize that orange juice is 20 bucks, 20 bucks a carton. And the next day, it'll go back down to five. I, I was, that was going to be my next question. With everybody's stop and, you know, stop and sell orders and everything all automated, what's to happen? What's to keep something like that from happening, say, overnight? And never mind the people that, that have software, you know, automating their process. Because I, I, I'm, you know, I'm already aware of that, as are you, that people have software that automates the whole process for them. So what happens when everybody's automated software is basically trading with, each itself. Well, each that's other. the other thing. I think the other thing you're going to find is that you know a lot of people are going to be you know information for finances used to be what you read in the Wall Street Journal. Okay, you weren't online. You didn't have a program that said, well, if the market is at this based on historic what's going on in history, mm-hmm. you will see this when it reaches this when the dollar reaches this level. This has traditionally been where it backs off a bit. We take a look at peaks sure. that have gone on right. previously. I think when everybody's using the same computer program, what you're going to find one day is that one of those levels is going to be reached. Yeah. And everybody in their mother's computer is going to have a standing buy order or sell order. Sure. And you're going to see a wave of cotton or pork bellies or gold or heating oil. Spiking or crashing. Spiking or crashing because the computers literally will have taken over the job of determining when is the right time. The human element's been taken out. Nobody, people don't talk to each other anymore. Computers talk to each other. And they don't have emotion. Now, right. on you know, and the thing is, is the only thing the computer knows is greed. Right, its right. sole purpose <laughs> is to is to you know make you wealthier. It's to have more money at the end of the day than you did at the beginning. And every computer is going to be like that because its emotion is purely greed. Sure, it's it is pragmatically it's pragmatic greed, but it's greed nonetheless. And you take the human element out of it, and I think at one point what you're going to find is. Radical moves in the commodities market. We've seen it already in stocks. It's happened a bunch of times already. And I really think that at some point, and I'll tell you, that's why the S&P market, the Standard & Poor's 500 index and their their various indices that, that group together uh, certain... Uh, you know, it's the the you know the, the petrochemical index or the gold mm, index right. or the oil index. They have a bunch of those, and then there's the S and P, which is the broader based market. Dow is thirty industrials. You know, so some of them don't even matter. I mean, Kodak, Kodak they had to get rid of Kodak because right. you know nobody takes pictures anymore. But <laughs> the five hundred, the the S and P is a much more broadly based, and I think. You know, one of the reasons they still want human interaction there is they're afraid of this. They're afraid that the S&P market, if the stock market reaches a certain thing, that the computer programs in the S&P market will take over and shoot it to an unreasonable high or low versus where the actual Dow Jones is. And there'll be no justification for it other than the computer sees a pattern. It bases its next move on patterns that it has seen before and said, well, when this happens, we can expect this. And if everybody's got the same computer at the same time, okay, and it reaches yeah. a level that it's supposed and here's the thing, it reaches a level, and in fact, maybe it's supposed to go a little bit higher. But the computer said, well, every time it goes low, so I want to dump it off at this peak. And what you're going to have is just uh, big, big, big moves that shouldn't be happening. And I'll tell you, the one place I'm afraid of it most is in crude oil. Crude oil is now at 50-something dollars a barrel. That's what uh, Texas Intermediate, Texas West 
intermediate TWI Texas West Intermediate Crude is going for now. It's about fifty something dollars a barrel, and I think that you know. Crude oil tends to fluctuate a lot anyway, and I think that what you're going to find are computers that are going to take a look at a volatile situation going on in a particular country in the Middle East, Mm -hmm. and it's going to say to itself, we need to buy right now because we're expecting the price to go up, and what's going to happen is the computers are going to drive the market. The market won't be driving itself. Somebody else will be manipulating the market unbeknownst to them because the computer took over. So... Now, I noticed that that was one of those things that I spotted this week. It kind of brought the teeniest little tears to my eyes. I recall my days of screaming, 30 bit a half, I want five right now. I own them. So that was always a lot of fun. I actually made $1,000 the first day I ever traded and then spent the next month losing it all. <laughs> I made $1,000 in about an hour on the uh, CRB index, which is the Commodity Research Bureau Index. And what the CRB is, it's basically the S&P for commodities. Okay. Okay, that's what it's a... They group together, they come up with a formula, a mathematical formula, it spits out a number, and that determines whether commodities are going up or down. And so what you'll have, you know, if you've got a, you know, if we uh, have a freeze here in Florida, it's not going to affect the CRB dramatically because you're only dealing with one tiny component, orange juice, okay? Cotton's not going to be affected by that, or crude oil's not going to be affected by that. So I made $1,000 in about an hour, I caught a great move, caught a great move on that. And then spent the next month thinking I was the smartest motherfucker on the planet. And in fact, not so much. Not really. I got lucky and then paid for it for the next month. I ended up basically over the course of about a year of illegally trading, I might add. These are this. I didn't have a badge. Okay. So I was trading through other people. And then we handled a lot of local brokers when I worked for Silgo after Hutton went down the crapper. And was bought up by Shearson Lehman. They offered me a job, and then a small company called Silgo offered to pay me twice as much. So I went to them. <laughs> you know, suffice to say. And uh, you know, we handled local brokers, and you know, these were these are real people, man. And now they all everybody gets to sit at home. I don't know. That was a great way. One of the things in the article that caught my eye was commodities and, and going to the trading floor was a great way for a guy who basically didn't have any, almost no, high, you know, didn't finish high school. I can't tell you how many people I met down there that were millionaires, many times over. Staten Island, um, Whitestone region of Queens, and way in the outer boroughs, and you know the, the, the Rockaways. Mm-hmm. A lot of guineas, lots of guineas on the floor. A lot of guineas, way more than Jews. We had our share out there. The guineas really, and they they had one thing in common: go for the throat. At eight twenty-five, when that bell rings, I don't give a shit who you are, man. I will own your house. Your kids don't go to college. You can forget about paying your dental bills. Second mortgage, no. Third, fourth mortgage, that's what you're going to need. But at three o'clock. When that bell or two is two thirty, two thirty or two thirty-five, depending on which pitch you were in, you know those guys were all friends again. They would sure. all go to the market bar and play pinochle for thousands of dollars a hand and drink, you know, Johnny Walker Blue. You know, they had like they would get a brand new bottle of Johnny yeah. Walker Blue every day, and they'd sit upstairs at the market bar and play pinochle for thousands of dollars. We played spades for hundreds because we were we were just the clerks. <laughs> the brokers, I, li- I like them both. The like brokers, yeah. Well, Don't play pinochle with a friend. It's though. not euchre. You won't be your friends. <laughs> I know. Well, that's well, that was the whole thing. But we managed to, you know, we all stayed friends, and those guys did as well. You know, I remember seeing a guy named Frank Lisi lose everything he had in about four days. He was on the wrong side of the market shift when platinum went limit up twenty five dollars a day every day because. Reagan had imposed an embargo on South Africa, which at the time had 85% of the world's known platinum reserves. And they have something called a limit up. Once it goes up $25 for spot month, which is the closest trading month. So right now we're in August. 
August is the spot month. It's the next month. That's the nearest you can trade. And the rules stated that because there used to be these massive swings, they, they institutionalized rules in trading that said mark, uh, limit up, which in that case for the metals was t- or for gold, platinum, and palladium were $25 a day. And he was short platinum and walked in the next day and basically watched it go up. He would walk in. The bell, the opening bell would ring. The opening bid would be $25 higher than the one before. That was it. That was the end. trading day was 30 seconds. Great. <laughs> 30-second trading day. And Frank Lisi would walk in every day and watch himself lose like $200,000. Every day, he did nothing he could do about it. Nothing he could do about it. And people do it. And actually, some of the people that worked with him, Andy, Hor- uh, Andy Borowitz and a bunch of these other guys who were big-time local traders, and they were friends. With him, they propped him up. They got him back on his feet again. They, they made sure he got to save his badge. And he got back up on his feet. It took him about a year. And he, you know, gradually... You know he grind. You know he's a grinder. Mm-hmm. Most of these people are like rounders. You know, in, in cards, their goal, like the card player, is to win one big bet an hour. Yeah, they need to get one good move a day. One good move a day. These guys, literally, I know guys. Dennis Murata, who was a trader that I handled personally, I've I saw days where he would walk in, make about fifteen hundred dollars in about the first hour and a half, come downstairs, throw me a hundred bucks, and say good night. He's like, I'm I'm up. I don't need. She's like, you stick around. And you don't. I know I've made this money. This goes right into my account, right. and I'm not going to stick around anymore. I I miss those days because they were greedy, but not overly greedy. They weren't looking to shaft you unless you know you wanted to sell something they wanted to buy. In which case, it's like anything else. I want it at the lowest price. You want to sell at the highest price. That's why there's thirty bid at fifty. I'm willing to buy it for thirty. At fifty means that's what they're willing to sell it at. So you arrive at forty. No problem. But everybody was still friends, and now now it's computers. Time marches on. It does indeed. If that's progress, you know, and I'm a progressive. I like progress. Can't stop it. Cannot stop it. We're going to be talking about uh, disparity in income and the difference between the Gilded Age then and now. But you know what? It's about the music. We keep the music going. Hey, you know what? I was at my mom's place last year, and I went through a box of stuff, found a whole bunch of 45s, and this is one of them. On the original Motown label, I have a whole series of Jackson 5 45s. And uh, also, I have Space Race, which I'm playing today. I have that. That was on the A&M label, as I recall. Billy Preston did a lot of work for, for A&M back then. And I actually have these 45s. And so I was thinking about the 45s I own. I actually have Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells. Wow. On a 45. Yeah, and it's front and front and back. Now, the album version, it doesn't have the key line in it where he goes, Glockenspiel. <laughs> you know, he announces all the, the instruments. Right. But still, it was pretty cool. You know, you got that creepiness. The exorcists were out, and people were talking about leaving vomit bags in the in the seat in front in case yeah. you were going to throw up back then. Kids. You know, you take Those a look kids. at that now. Take a look at that that yeah, movie as compared to what's now. It is. It's, right. it's slapstick. Uh, pistachio. It's slapstick. <laughs> I know, it is. The Exorcist is now, what, she turned her head all the way around? What, it didn't fly oh, off her neck? They build it as a comedy now. You know, it is. like that, Rocky Horror. Absolutely. Look, your mother sucks cocks in hell. Demi, why you talk to me like yes. a Demi? Yes, that's true about my mother. <laughs> my mom is still alive and she's cool. Mine too, but still, she gets down there. <laughs> Mine does not. She's just a cool she ass tourist. chick. <laughs> so, hey, you know what? Why don't we get off mom's? Because I just finished getting off of you. Ah, never mind. That's the old sure. one from White Man Can't Jump. Too easy. I'm going to keep the groove going. I've got a whole bunch of groovy stuff, including some stuff from my friend Ron Sunshine. going to be talking a little bit about his brand new label. We get back to the groove, though. It's the Jackson 5 on the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. 
Yeah. 
decide who's on the inside track but you slack and so another dies and you land but whose shoes would you be in wake up it's time to respect the nubian flag of a people fighting every day for their own say so children can't go out to play straight from the tyranny while blood is dripping pee i ain't no flapjack don't bother flipping me i stick to this say this why you're crazy an original man's a black man set by a caucasian watching a culture be stolen from asia whether minor or major science or swager with lingo some people don't think so when do you stop saying that's the way things go time to manifest the quest it's hard to digest but companies are fucking peak why don't they divest and invest in freedom but they scheme on a brother stealing trump jewelry that's miles undercover so discover as a people we have to take our place there is no master plan because there is no master race on so on and so forth from south to north swinging low on supremacy's cause of course not stepping out of places in place a question those on a question of race
you. Back-to-back Columbia University graduates. Their third base, no master plan, no master race. That's off of Derelicts of Dialect. An Upper West Side, a couple of guys. There was uh, DJ Prime Minister and... um, Trying to remember the other guy. I don't know. It was a couple of guys who put out some great stuff before that. Good friend of mine, Ron Sunshine. That's from his original and first album, Soul Drug Mean to Me. Also, a Columbia University graduate. He actually just posted some and kicking off the set, Jackson Five, like I gotta tell you that. Um, he actually posted some pictures. He just went and saw uh, George Clinton from P Funk. And I had gone to the shows with him in, uh, in 88, 89. At. Uh, at uh, the Apollo in New York We had second row seats for P-Funk Which was an awesome show And he just got uh, signed to a brand new uh, Kind of a boutique label The Rondette Jazz Label And their uh, Ron Sunshine and his orchestra They're in post-production now So hopefully we're going to have some brand new music uh, From him uh, it's, always, uh, it's always great stuff right there um, Some of the things we were talking about Chris Christie was one that came up Uh I thought it was interesting that uh, all the people, when he announced his candidacy, um, the biggest thing on Fox that said there was going to be a deterrent to him was the fact that after Hurricane Sandy, when President Obama showed up, he like hugged President Obama. It was like a week before the election. Like, you blew it. Yep. He's um, like the Ralph Nader of 2012. We saw you hugging that Negro. Unbelievable. Not that I want this guy to be president, but, man, can't you think of a better reason to not vote for somebody than the fact that he actually is willing to go across party lines when shit needs to get done for his state? It's the one thing I can think of where he actually, you know, like... Right. Yeah. One redeeming point there. They, right. they hate that. Of course. Well, welcome. It's all about who you hug. That's exactly it. I, um... Spotted uh, some stuff this week about um, uh, income inequality, the uh, the fact that we're now living in the new Gilded Age, as it were. Yes. And you mean the new Dark Age? <laughs> it is. It's the new Gilded Age. And there's a book out called The Complacency of America. It was written a couple years ago. I saw an interview with the guy who wrote it on a Bill Moyers thing. And he's... You know, you look back and uh, we were talking about this show that you were told me about, the, the Men Who Built America. And I said it should be retitled The Men Who Built America on the Backs of Slave Labor. It, uh, they do they do illustrate that. Don't think they don't. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they would. They go Rock, Rockefeller at one point, I yeah. think, had like, I, he didn't have 100%, he had like 80% or 90% of the world's oil market. And he had formed a monopoly, so it all went through his pipelines or yep. whatever. They go give, hey, give the Rockefellers credit. I'll Labor tell you something. I have friends of mine who are Rockefellers who are my generation. And Mike and Jeff and Ingrid and Jenny and Sabrina and all those guys, I'm proud of you because I'm absolutely certain that they had an influence over the Rockefeller estate divesting itself in all of its interests in oil. They no longer have any interest right. whatsoever in oil. And so, you know, I'm proud of you. You know, I know you're, I, Mike, I know you're a hardcore Republican, but I'm proud of you for that one because progress is progress. So we got to get off oil, and you guys divest yourselves. It's a smart move to make. They were talking about the uh, the difference in the Gilded Age then and now, and one of the things the guy was saying was that back then, it took, you know, from the, I guess the 1880s is when the court went just balls to the wall, uh, anti-government, small government, stuff like that. And one of the things this guy was talking about was that um, – the industrialists back then they weren't for small government what they wanted was big government that did stuff for them it's sure. because there was no yeah. infrastructure they're, they're yeah. right they needed railroad tracks which they had then yeah. built too many of but that's another thing but they needed infrastructure they needed laws to be put sure. into place to allow them to do the, these certain things and now you know and what happened was 
1932. You wind up with Hooverville in Central Park. <laughs> and, you know, now we're winding up with, with new Hoovervilles. We're going to... They're, they're, oh, yeah. They're, oh, yeah. You know, they're... Shantytown. Shanty, yeah. that's exactly... You know, Sheep's Meadow, which is... I, I literally, in high school, I lived across the street from Sheep's Meadow in Central Park. And it was called Sheep's Meadow because it actually had sheep in it. And in 32, 3, and 4... They had to move the sheep. They had to take them to a farm upstate because the people that were setting up town there were killing them and eating them. What would you do? I know exactly. <laughs> better that they better that the sheep should be well looked after than people should be fed. I don't. I just, I'm just throwing that one out there. I understand the heritage, like these guys in South Carolina. You know that was the the quote from today. Where the guy said he goes, "You are." Uh, you ki- you're kicking our heritage in the teeth. This is they're debating the South uh, the South Carolina yes. flag yes. thing. First things first. Really? It needs to be debated? (laughs) Yes, yes, we are kicking your racist heritage in the teeth. We've been polite for much too long. Uh, I call upon the the southern man who prides himself to be a gentleman to to do what what, uh, Robert E. Lee said to do and all the southern gentlemen should do. Put it in a book. Yeah, yeah, fold it up, put it away, take off your uniform and join the union. We fought the war. The war is over. Surrendering. Uh, Let's be gentlemen about it. Uh, And that's it. Absolutely, and now go. now they're debating over. But I love that quote. It's like, yeah, we're, you're kicking our heritage, you know, yeah. here in the teeth. It's like, yeah, yeah I want to kick your heritage in the teeth so hard that you're going to brush your asshole in about three days. Yeah, you're, sure. that's where you're going to have to. That's how far down I want to kick them. That is, it's a heritage of racism. It's a heritage of Absolutely. bigotry. Yep, it is not a a symbol of great days gone by. It's a symbol of people who anti America, anti America, traitors. Sure. You know, long live Sherman, baby. Burn it to the ground, you know? Yeah. And there's plenty of great people out there, you know, that are on the other side of this. I think the problem that I that I face, that I see, and that you see, is the same thing. Is that there are probably more people on our side, but the people on the other side seem to scream yeah, the, louder. The, those, are you, those are always the ones that you hear and see. And yeah, they scream the, louder. The lunatic fringe. Absolutely. It's absolutely the lunatic fringe. And if you don't think this flag should be taken down, I mean, look. Put, I, put Fran- it on your car. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I really don't care about the flag. I really don't. I care about how we treat our, our fellow man. I think the right. best thing that has happened as a result of, of the horror that went on in uh, in South Carolina is that we haven't heard jack shit about the guy, this, this kid who did the shooting. Nobody's talking about him. And I'll tell you, that's a great thing. We don't mm-hmm. need to talk about him. What we need to talk right. about is what he has set off. And what he has sure. set off is the debate we need to have. We, we got to have this debate. We're not talking about all the church fires either. I noticed that's not. I anything. know that that you know they were saying that they weren't connected, and I believe that. I believe they aren't connected. I believe this is a whole bunch of this is a lone wolf. That's what a lone wolf yeah, but does. I, I think it's somebody that's that's sympathetic to the cause. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think no, no, no. It, you know, he's got so a Confederate the people flag that, in his that garage, shot up that the Drum Mohammed yeah, thing. They're yeah. they're lone wolves sympathetic sure. to fundamentalist Islamic terrorism. Yeah. But you this know? guy, whoever's setting those fires, he's got. It's a not a bunch of people. They already said in they, the garage on his car. Yeah. Or whatever. yeah. Okay. That is, you know, those are the lone wolves that are causing far more problems in America. It's the white supremacist, you know, those guys who who believe that there's no place in this country for foreigners. And you know, every group that comes here is lambasted. Yeah. By by the group that was already there. And the, I thought the interesting thing was I was I was looking over some stuff about the building of the subways. And the building of Central Park, that was it, I was because it was the Sheep's Meadow thing. And I was mm-hmm. reading through this thing, and one of the interesting things was is that blacks weren't allowed to do the construction. It was done by Italians and Irish. And the blacks who have been here the longest, yeah, who did not come here of their own volition, they weren't right. escaping jack shit. Right. Okay? They were the one. They literally built the wall on Wall Street, for Christ's sake. Okay? They built the wall. 
And they were here, but they were on the lowest rung. And the Irish at one point complained um, because that the, the blacks were going to be taking their jobs. I'm like, whose jobs do you think you took? Right. Yeah, but you know. Yeah. Why? But why? The point, the point there is that we're always going to complain about whoever the latest group of people is to come in. And, you know, I, I posted, and you know what? I'm going to find this in here. I have it. I have a quote that I posted for uh, the 4th of July. And um, if the computer works, which apparently it isn't right now, but ah, there we go. And in 1650-something, when uh, Peter Stuyvesant, you know, was bitching and moaning about the fact that the uh, Dutch were outnumbered in their own community Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Here we go. I got it right here. He sent a letter, and I spoke about this before because this is really the, the initial separation of church and state is because the Jews, the obstinate and immovable Jews, as he called them, came in escaping the Spanish Inquisition. They were Sephardic from Brazil. Sorry about that. That's not a problem yeah. at all. We're here now. As a sure. matter of fact, Jews <laughs> apparently, I just heard something. I, I caught it like I was half asleep. But I'm pretty sure I heard somebody say that Jews have now just gotten back the numbers that they had prior to the Holocaust. Like globally. We're just back there now. That's how many people we lost. That's how small a group we are. Complain about us. You know, that hasn't stopped people from complaining about us. Ad you see how you guys breed? So here's the here is what uh, the Dutch West India Company uh, sent back. They sent back a letter and it said the consciences of men ought to be free and unshackled so long as they continue moderate, peaceable, inoffensive and not hostile to governing. Such have been the maxims of toleration by which this city, New York City, has been governed. And the result has been that the oppressed and persecuted from every country have found among us an asylum from distress. Follow in the, follow in the same steps and you shall be blessed. And it, yeah, but the Dutch West India, you know, that's the, 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 the problem that New York faced back then and, and the problem that we face now are the exact same thing. How do we have a capitalist society, a free market economy? That works in cahoots with democracy. Okay? And what you found in the old Gilded Age was that businessmen owned politicians. Right. And we have now, then we went into the FDR phase and we went into the 40s and 50s. And then, you know, what's his name? You know, the Birch Society guys, you know, in a in a uh, revolt against John Kennedy or whatever, decided that you know they wanted to go the other way. And we're now there again. We've now come back to where money guides politics. People will pay politicians to get elected. Once they are in there, you have a quid pro quo. Sure. And that quid pro quo is what ensures that they keep a job. Absolutely. Right. They're not doing they're not working for for the civilians. They're working for the people who pay their salaries. Absolutely. The people who pay their salaries aren't us unfortunately. Nope. That's a tiny fraction. There was something about the um, Who's the attorney general now? Holder. Yes? Eric yes. Holder. Yes. Eric Holder never prosecuted one guy from Wall Street. He's about to go back to his old firm, which kept his corner office. He's going back at like 10 times the salary. Okay? And he's going to be lobbying against it. Yeah. I, I, God, man. You're a Democrat, you motherfucker. Right. Huh. It is a pitiful, pitiful <sighs> scene yep. right now. And I'll tell you, this is the reason why we should be voting for Bernie Sanders. Amen. Bernie, 2016. He first things first. He's from Brooklyn, right? Okay, where so much great stuff emanates from. NRA created where? 
I don't know. New York City, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. The NRA was founded I in New remember. York. In <laughs> New York City. I know. Most it was, people a, it was a gun safety group of at course. the time. And it was way. also a national yes. park advocacy Before group. it was taken over. By, by you the know, the armed manufacturers. Sure. Exactly. So bad. in any event, you know, that's where we're coming from. I thought I was going to have to say a lot of stuff because I didn't think I had enough music this week, but I there do. You so you know what? I'll tell you what. Why don't we play the Thin Lizzy? And then take a break. We're not even going to play the Super Tramp this week. I'm not playing Super Tramp. You know what? You like Super Tramp? Go home and listen to it on your own. But I'm playing Thin Lizzy this week. It's the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com. This is not Thin Lizzy. It's Was Not Was. But you know what? It's still groovy, and we're going to play it. Rock on, baby. Papa had to 
Crest and Space Race. Yeah, I got that on a 45. I memorized that song as a kid. I hadn't heard it in about 10 years. Every note committed to memory. Before that, Doggy Mountain Breakdown by the David Grisman Quintet. Dave Grisman actually was at one point um, the Guitar Player Magazine's uh, Mandolin Player of the Year. Uh, just a phenomenal player. That goes out to all of my... Uh, Loving friends out there. I'm sure Mary Lou's loving that one. Doggy Mountain Breakdown and kicking it off. Don was, was not, was doing uh, The Temptations. Papa was a Rolling Stone. Dynamite version of that song. Yeah, I mean, very, very yeah it is. And we're both was not, was fans. You know, you see him in all these interviews. He's a phenomenal bass player. I mean, yeah. Very, very good. But he's mixed some fabulous stuff. I was telling you, I actually was at the China Club years ago when it was below the uh, Beacon uh, the Beacon Hotel in New York City. It, it originally been the game room that turned into the China Club. And I went down there, and I was there, got invited. I was working at Tower Time. But I ended up having drinks with a friend of mine named Bobby Rainbow, who was a model for Levi's. He was on like, the side of these um, bus stops. And I was at a table with me, him, somebody else from Tower, and uh, David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks, the founding members of The Temptations. One of them ended up ODing on crack, unfortunately. Great band if you ever get a chance to listen to them. Hey, got a little time here. It's time to take care of the people to take care of me. You know what that means, right? Man. Yep. Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida, 954-247-9362. Absolutely groove with Don approved. Bumper to bumper coverage. I went and got my uh, my thing looked at a couple weeks ago, driving like a dream. Although I heard a little thing today. I heard a little thing when I hit the brakes. So I'm going to have to bring in and have Dave take a quick look at that. Absolutely everything you need. Auto repairs, air conditioning, tune-ups. Like I've always said, if it's an internal combustion engine constructed after 1900, these are the people you absolutely want to see. The Chevelle in there, they just soundproofed the, uh, I think it's a 71 Chevelle SS. 70 or 71 Chevelle SS. Cream puff, what a car. I just, I want the paint job on this. It's just, the engine in it is just brutal. Brutal, dude. In any event, Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida. It's the place where people who love their cars take their cars. 954-247-9362. That means it's time for the drive group of the day. And normally I hit you with shredding Steve's or some just straight up rock and roll. But the Tour de France is going on. And uh, for anybody who watched, I thought it was amazing that there was this horrible crash in NASCAR where the guy, uh, was it Dylan? I think, uh, you know, after his car did, yeah, whatever, one of those guys. But he walked away. Like, you know, out after this crash, people were like, I can't believe he's alive. He walked up, thumbs up, walking away. Of course, on the Tour de France, there was like a 40-bike pileup. Literally, just once one guy falls, they're all so tightly grouped. Yeah. And they just careened into each other. And there's like a whole bunch of them that aren't going to be in it anymore. So it just goes to show you that the safety of these NASCARs really has gotten somewhere. And also, nobody in the... Uh, the crowd was hurt by this. The car went into the, the fence and everything, and they were showing, uh, I think, I'm trying to remember who it was, uh, Allison, Donnie Allison, had a horrible, horrible wreck like that where his car went up in the air and went into the fence. And people in, in the crowd killed, okay? The driver walked away. Nobody in the audience hurt, and it was a fiery wreck. Once again saying, res- restrictor plate racing, bad. Just let them go 200 miles an hour. That way, they're not all going to get bunched up, and you're not right. going to have a yellow, white, checker finish for every race at, Deto- at Daytona. Every race at Daytona, the last lap is yellow, white, checker. Just Why watch the first, you know, 249 laps or however many laps it is? Or, you know, you know what's coming down to at the end. They're all going to be driving very slowly. They're going to have one lap to go. Somebody's going to throw the flag. And coming around that final turn is going to be a massive wreck 
behind like the top three guys and everybody else is going to careen. And that's exactly what happened this week. So what I did is I put together a little set here with uh, Kraftwerk doing Tour de France and Saint Etienne doing Like a Motorway because, you know, it's Drive Groove, baby. I'm going to let my man over here somewhere around the 450 market Kraftwerk because I know you like Kraftwerk. I yes, know I that. do. You're yes, going to the show. I'm going to the show. That's right. I remember telling you that they were there. Then you went online. You When is that show? I, I didn't. Somebody else did, though. Okay. Somebody, well, you're, when yeah. is that show? Uh, September. Fabulous. So it's coming up. You ought to be getting psyched about that. I'm very psyched And this is a band that no matter how old they, unlike the Stones, this band, like Tangerine Dream, when they're 70, they're going to sound the same. Yes, they, and they can put on a lot of makeup, so you'll never know how old right. they are. And it's going to be a 3D show of some sort. Very really? high-tech, 3D laser holograms. They were way ahead, of the, yeah, they were ahead of the curve on that puppy. Supposedly, it's a state-of-the-art you know, eyeball shocker. Somebody mentioned uh, my gal Diana was talking to me this week about Depeche Mode. I saw them in Arizona. That yeah, would be a great show. It was. It, I'll tell you something. I, I only liked their first two albums, which were Speak and Spell and Construction Time. Again, People or People is fine, and they've got some other stuff, but those two albums were really great when they came out. And I remember seeing them and thinking to myself, I wasn't going to enjoy the show because this is like they had like six albums out at this point. Mm. That was great. I had a lot. I didn't even have very good seats, but it was a dynamite show. The music was fabulous. They, they gave me a show. They gave me a fucking show. Great. And I already yeah, own the album. Good. So we're going to do a bit of a drive groove. We're going to let uh, George over here get his mix swirl on. It's the drive groove of the day, starting off with Kraftwerk on SoFloRadio.com.
Keep it going here. Saint Etienne, like a motorway craft work, Tour de France kicking that off. Got the DJ mix there from my man George. Getting our getting our disco swirl on with that stuff. I don't know. The Tour de France, they're all juiced up anyway. Who the hell cares, right? Hey, I had a great show today. I've got so much music I didn't get around to playing today. I've got Thin Lizzy, Sneaker Pimps, which is a dynamite song that I really wanted to play. So I've got a bunch of stuff that I'm gonna be uh you know, we've got carryover groove, man. We always have carryover groove, but there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong Not with more groove. More groove, good. Less groove, bad. I had a good time today. I hope everybody enjoyed listening to the show. Obviously, I get to live the Phenomenal. dream. Yeah, I get to live the dream, man. And the only reason I get to do it is if you guys are out there. You know what I didn't mention at the top of the show? That's how screwed up I was. You know what this show centers around? An attitude of gratitude. That's why this show didn't go well. That's why I was a little off. Because I didn't mention that at the beginning of the show. To remind myself how grateful I need to be that I get to do this every week. I get to come and play what I want to play, say there what I want to say. Nobody's coming over and telling me that I can't. That's how come I can do sets that include Don Was, Billy Preston, and Doggy Mountain Breakdown. All in one set. We're going to be finishing it off with Funkification of the Highest Order. My man Bootsy Collins from Bootsy's Rubber Band. It's a song called Stretching Out. I am super-duper grateful. I'm going to be back next week. Next week, we're going to do it Tuesdays again. I think the week after that, we're going to be doing a uh, a transfer over to Mondays, 2 to 4. Obviously, I will be updating all of you people who find it necessary right. to tune in live. Start I understand up, right? live is the way you like it. You know, Not that we edit anything later. No. Nothing ever gets edited. But you, know, you want to be first on your block. You want to be there to make sure that when somebody's like, oh, man, I'm only halfway through the groove. It's done. Oh, so you haven't heard the second half? Let me tell you about all the stuff that happened on there, you scrub. What do you think of that? Yeah, I'm there going go. for that one. I also like the fact that I'm wearing my Fibonacci shirt today. It's as easy as 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 20. Never mind. 21, 34. Um, I'm going to come back next week. I'm going to try and do the exact same thing again, except I'm definitely going to be doing it a lot better. I will, I will not be sleep deprived, which is what I was. Just depraved. Just depraved. Oh, as please. usual. Yeah, I bring that with me, man. I carry that around in my... That's a picture in my wallet, along with my right hand. Identification. Identification, absolutely. <laughs> my true love. My true love. I think I'll keep her. In case of emergency. In case of emergencies, <laughs> that's exactly it. Well, I tried my left hand. It felt like a new woman. Any event, it's the Groove with Don, baby. We're going to get you out of here, as always. It's an attitude of gratitude for myself and George, baby. It's aloha and peace. Good night, Mom. Hallelujah! Not the friendly ghost, but the holy ghost. And I'm here to make the shout. Glory be to the one who knows what the front's about, y'all.
listening to SoFloRadio.com.